Why do shadow work? I'll tell you why. Because an unintegrated life is harder than it needs to be. A fragmented sense of self, one in which some parts of you are allowed and some parts are not allowed, a place in your life and your identity, means that there will be unnecessary suffering. And I am not claiming that doing shadow work will free you of suffering. Suffering is part of life. But I am saying that shadow work has the potential to gradually, over time, and with sincere dedication, free you from the kind of suffering that is unnecessary. The kind that is the product of self-rejection or self-abandonment, being divided against yourself, projecting your own gifts and challenges onto other people, calling in that which you actively hate, harming others or embarrassing yourself through emotional outbursts, and even some say physical illness. It's like some secret unknown part of you just likes to screw things up, especially your relationships or professional aspirations. It seems to have a mind of its own. And when something sets it off or you feel triggered in a certain way, it takes over and its willpower is stronger than you your conscious self, even though it is you, your shadow is you, it can feel a bit like you have been possessed. If you're really into personal development, spirituality, self-actualization, it might be the part of you that you have been trying to get rid of, the part of you that you have been trying to overcome. And you may even think that you have gotten rid of it or overcome it because it hasn't made an appearance in a very long time. You did such and such modality and you got rid of that thing. It's over now. That was your past. But then years later, when life hits you with a major loss or some kind of security-threatening challenge, something that threatens your sense of security, it pops back up. Like, surprise! Remember me? And I don't know about you, but the pandemic was like that for me. I was actually shocked by my own shadowy behavior. I've been doing shadow work for so long, and I was like, you? Again? How? <laughs> How? Welcome to episode number 34 of the Joe DeVoe Show. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, but you can call me Joe, and I am here to uplift and support my fellow creatives, lovable weirdos, and makers of magic. And yes, today we will be talking about shadow work. I've actually been talking about the root chakra over on Patreon. That is our theme this month. And I love it because it goes so well with what I've been saying on social media this month. In video, I've been posting videos about the shadow. And to me, the root chakra is the place to begin if you want to work with your chakra system as it relates to the shadow because it's related to 
the most vulnerable formative time when you were a baby, a little tiny baby, and you were trying to figure out this world and to survive and function and you were entirely dependent on other people for literally everything. And so a lot of shadow can root way back down to your babyhood and that stuff is pre-verbal and way, way, way in the shadows. It's not conscious. But because the root chakra has so much to do with, I've been calling it the four S's, stability, security, structure, safety. It's very much related to another S word, survival. And so if you're into working with the chakra system, it's just a nice compliment to shadow work. At any rate, I like to look up quotes to share with the podcast that I post over there on Patreon. And I found all kinds of good ones from books on the chakra system. I have my favorite books here, but I was looking at quotes from other books. And Cindy Dale, who I had on the podcast, she's one of the last interviews I did. So that was probably 2022. She came up, a book that she had written. I think she's written more than one book on the chakra system. But there's a quote I found from one of her books that I thought was so great when it comes to shadow work, actually. And so I'll just read it to you. I went and posted it on the platform formerly known as Twitter, still my favorite social media. So I posted this quote and I thought it was so good. I should share it with you as well. Cindy Dale said of your, quote, imprisoned self. She said, if a trauma was really big or hurtful, the energy of it locks us into the age we were when we experienced it. That part of us never gets to grow up, to stretch, grow, and fly. She or he is incarcerated in the energetic fibers created by the people or situation that injured us. We must rescue this hidden trapped self in order to release the negative energies keeping him or her in prison. So the reason I love this is because it kind of gives the shadow a personality, which is something I love to do. I find it helpful to think of the shadow as a frightened child or a feral animal that you're trying to like win the trust of so you can love it, but it's not trusting. It ends up taking you months to befriend it. I find it helpful to imagine the shadow that way because it makes me empathetic. It gives me compassion for myself that I might not otherwise have. And I think this story she's telling here is really interesting. Like your shadow... Or whatever part of you is experiencing arrested development because of some trauma, that part of you is imprisoned and it needs your help. It needs your rescuing. I love this language because in this scenario, you are unknowingly the jailer and you're the one that gets to set the prisoner free. You are both the prisoner and the jailer, and you get to set this part of yourself free. And I feel that any story about the shadow, because we're really speaking symbolically here, any story about it that ignites compassion or empathy, more compassion or empathy for yourself, it's a good story. This is a good one, in my opinion. 
And then also on the platform formerly known as Twitter, right before I came on here to start recording this for you, I came across a post from Laura London, and it's long. You can do that on the platform formerly known as Twitter now. <laughs> but anyway, it is an excerpt from... The Middle Passage by Jungian analyst James Hollis, Ph.D. It's very long. It's a big excerpt from this book. But there are a couple points that I wanted to read to you because I think they're awesome. And anything that helps people understand what the shadow is and how it behaves and why it's there, I think is important. So he said, the shadow should not be equated with evil only with life that has been suppressed. As such, the shadow is rich in potential. And then further down, he said, negative shadow contents such as rage, lust, anger, etc. can be destructive when acted out unconsciously. But when consciously acknowledged and channeled, they can provide new directions and new energy. In concrete terms, the shadow will out, whether in conscious acts, projections onto others, depression, or somatic illness. The shadow embodies all the life which has not been allowed expression. It represents a life force greater than our conscious personality has yet utilized, and its blocking leads to diminished vitality. So well said. You would think that I had been reading James Hollis, but I have not. I do not own any of his books, but I'm aware of him. And I have been a shadow worker for a very, very long time. So I guess we all just start using the same language eventually. And it probably roots back to Jungian analysts like this. I am not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who is interested in becoming more integrated and sharing what I learn along the way with other people because I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of that kind of sharing and solutions-oriented creativity. I like the idea of a leading learner, somebody who learns and shares and learns and shares. That really resonates with me. So please take what I have to say with that context in mind. What is about to follow is a five-part video series that I posted earlier this month, February. I wanted to focus on shadow work in February because people have been asking me about the old shadow love program and I took it out of retirement because they were asking me about it. But also I just had a lot more to say about the shadow because I recorded that audio journey years ago now and I've learned a lot since. I'm always learning more. So while I still totally stand by the Shadow Love audio journey and think it's an awesome way for people to familiarize themselves with shadow work and to really gently get into it without freaking themselves out, it's a really friendly podcast-like presentation. I also wanted to make a supplement to that just to add on some thoughts that I've had in recent years. And so I made the video series and I posted it on the platform formerly known as Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. 
and now here I am putting it all together compiling it the audio version of it here for you and I divided each of the little clips with a baseline so you would know oh now we're going to thing number two thing number three it was called five things about the shadow and I count them each down like that and that's what's about to happen right now I've been writing a lot about the shadow lately. I've got shadow on the mind, and so I thought it would be fun to do a little five things video series, and this is thing number one. Number one, shadow work is the work of self-love. And I know a lot of my friends who love shadow work, that love to talk about shadow work, they also tend to really hate the terminology like love and light or people calling themselves light workers. And I get a perverse kick out of this because I think shadow workers are the real light workers because what shadow work is, it's illuminating the darkness. It's bringing to light the shadow content that is maybe making your life frustrating, bringing up a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors, triggering you into like the same old toxic patterns again and again and again. When you bring that to light, when you bring that shadow content to light, you're bringing it to the light of your awareness, where then you have the opportunity to learn how to love this part of yourself, to love yourself more because the shadow is you. If you are dealing with some problematic shadow behaviors or patterns, that likely was established when you were a teeny tiny cute little toddler, when you were a little bitty thing. And so it's a very vulnerable part of you. It's the rejected part of you. It's the part of you that needs love. And so that is why I get a kick out of this whole rejection of the love and light stuff. Because really what we're doing when we're doing shadow work is we're bringing this stuff to the light of our awareness. And then we are finding a way to, if not love it at first, to accept it and to allow it. And the interesting thing is often when you do that, you find that it comes bearing gifts because a lot of what makes you weird and special and different and potentially uniquely of service is hanging out in the shadow because that's the very stuff that made you weird and different and special in your family. And that is the stuff that tends to, or maybe even in school or your church, it doesn't necessarily have to be a family thing, but when you're young, the thing that makes you different and makes you stand out is often the thing that gets attacked and pushed down into the shadows. And some people are so sensitive, it can be a really subtle, like not an out and out attack, but just the constant messaging of the media, for example, can be enough to push something down into the shadows or seeing someone else be bullied for this quality that you have. So that is why I call shadow work, shadow love. We bring the shadow to the light of our awareness that gives us the opportunity to learn to love it or to accept it because it is us. We're talking about a part of ourselves, the subconscious part of ourselves. 
And in that way, we develop a greater sense of self-love and it makes us more compassionate, not just to ourselves, but to other people. And this is the kind of love that is catching. It's not selfish, it's self-love, loving and accepting you as you are. thing number two and it is an answer to a question that I got yesterday that I thought maybe some other people have this question so maybe it'll make a good video and the question was how do you know when you are done with shadow work how do you know when the shadow work is done and I imagine different people would answer this in different ways but for myself I am in no race to get to like ultimate enlightenment my goal with shadow work is to just get out of my own way so that i can be really present to life and maintain healthy relationships and stay in flow with what is as much as possible so for me i have been doing this work for at least two decades and i have been sharing it with other people for a large part of that, let's just say a decade, I'm actually not sure about the timeline, but it's been a long time. And I imagine this is something you can do for the rest of your life and that you might want to do for the rest of your life, kind of like you clean your house, you keep your house clean so that everything stays in flow. It's not something that you're done with once. It's, oh, this trash piled up, or oh, this thing spilled. Whatever it is, you deal with it as it comes up. And so the way I like to do shadow work, or what I like to call shadow love, is I don't go digging around like into my deepest, darkest trauma, because I don't want to end up re-traumatizing myself. I just notice when something is bubbling up to the surface of my awareness and wants to be seen. So that might look like I'm engaging in some kind of self-sabotaging behavior that's frustrating me, or I'm finding myself in the same relationship pattern, a toxic relationship pattern that I have found myself in in a number of different times in different kinds of relationships, or I catch myself in a self-defeating pattern in different work environments, but it's like the same pattern showing up no matter where I work or who I work with. And so that tells me there's some sort of shadow involved. It might also be that you feel a really charged reaction to someone. You're judging them, or you wanna like shame them for something. Usually if there's a really strong charge involved in your judgment on someone else, that's a projection. And that tells me there's some kind of shadow going on there. Like you are taking something that you find shameful or something that you judge in yourself and you're putting it off on someone else because it's too difficult to see within yourself. So sometimes we can only see ourselves through the mirror of other people. So shadow work is just a process of noticing. You're just 
noticing when these things come up for you, whatever is standing in your way of being in flow and at peace with what is, you notice those patterns and then you pause and you bring them to the light. I tend to do this with notebooks. I have a lot of composition books. I keep morning pages. I am a dedicated journaler. So if I notice something like this coming up, I just write. There's many different yous inside. There are many different versions of you, many different ages, many different expressions that come up at different times and so you can talk to them you can give them a name you can talk to them you can identify their age and you can just say like what do you want why are you here what do you need what are you afraid of that's a big one when it comes to the shadow even if the thing that has you very triggered makes you feel angry a lot of times it can be helpful to ask that anger what are you afraid of and it's interesting what comes up. It can create a very cathartic experience if you sit with it for a while because you start to realize what it is that you're actually afraid of. And then you can sit with it and be with it and just allow it. I know the word love can be very challenging for people because so much of what's in the shadow, what's been pushed down into the subconscious has been rejected. And so these are parts that we are afraid of or we may even hate. And so love might be too big of a leap. So just see if you can allow it. If you can just allow it to be, that is a good first step in shadow integration. Allow it to be. Don't try to spiritual bypass your way out of it. Don't try to distract or escape your way out of this knowing that has come up to be seen. Just allow it to be. Stay curious about it. Stay curious about what it wants and what it needs. You don't have to analyze it. You can just let it be. And that can actually create a lot of space that helps you then move through your life with less shadowy behavior, feeling less triggered, behaving in ways that make you feel ashamed later. And if you're in that place, if you've done something and you feel ashamed, See if you can sit with that shame and just be with it. Comfort yourself, love yourself like you would a small child because chances are that shadow roots all the way down to maybe even your pre-verbal years, but when you were very young and impressionable. And that's why this work can be so emotional. But I don't think it has to be super scary because again, I don't think you have to go digging around to stir it all up so you can just heal it once and for all. It's a process, it's a practice, it's just an ongoing practice. To me, it's a self-love practice. This is how I stay engaged with life and how I continue to learn to love and accept myself more and more with time and patience, a lot of patience. This is thing number three, and it is a reiteration of something I have already mentioned, and that is that the shadow often comes bearing gifts. So the shadow is comprised of the rejected parts of yourself, maybe more depending on how you define the shadow. It is subconscious material, but the parts that I'm interested in are the parts that you have rejected about yourself 
often before you were even verbal, when you were very, very small and your mind was like a little sponge and you were just trying to figure out how to survive and be accepted and feel safe and secure. So a lot of what gets pushed into the shadows are things that made us feel threatened in our environment. So things that people shamed us for, or anytime you were too much, you are too much of this, you are too much of that, you need to tone this down about yourself. If that happened to you repeatedly, or even once with a lot of intensity when you were very young, maybe a teacher shamed you when you were trying to sing a song, or share something with the class. Maybe you were told that you talk too much and ultimately come to find out the gift in that shadow. You learn to silence your voice and push it down and then through doing shadow work, come to find out you're a podcaster or a speaker or whatever it may be. People have stories like this all the time of a cruel teacher who embarrassed them in front of the class, told them they're not a real artist. So they decided they're not creative, they're not a creative person when in fact they are. Things like that are hiding out in your shadow. So a lot of people have the misconception that your shadow is bad or evil or negative. It's all the stuff about you that sucks. And that is just not true. Sometimes your gifts actually present in a problematic way because they've been repressed. They kind of act out to get your attention because there are many different versions of you inside, many different ages of you inside. And it is my belief that they long for wholeness. They long to be allowed, to be accepted, if not loved, just to be allowed to be what they are so that you can be whole and complete unto yourself. And so they will do things to get your attention. Like, hey, yo, I am here. And it might be kind of like a kid acting out in class to get attention. It might not be pleasant the way they act out, but then it could just be that this part of you needs love because it has something valuable to add to your life or to your family or to your community, maybe even the world at large. So that's a good incentive for doing shadow work because we don't want your gifts to go to waste. We want you to get to be who you really truly are without shame and to be able to express that in a healthy way. So that is one of the reasons why shadow work is so awesome. It's not just so we can heal all of the so-called negative or bad things about us. It's also so that we can bring out some of our best, most interesting qualities. This is thing number four. So in the last video, I was talking about how sometimes there are gifts hidden in your shadow. And I wanted to expand a little bit on that because I feel like that's good news. It's exciting. And something that's really interesting is a lot of times the people around us, the people who know us well, they can see it plain as the nose on our face, but we cannot. And the shadow is so like that. Something that you will encounter when you get into shadow work is the use of projections. If you can get comfortable looking at your projections, the things that you project onto other people, because 
you cannot bear to have those qualities within yourself, then you're gonna be in the ballpark of being able to discover your gifts because we do the same thing with them. We project them onto other people. So two potential access points for exploring potential gifts hidden in your shadow are one, envy, and two, putting people up on a pedestal. So envy is really interesting because it can be miserable. It can bring up a lot of uncomfortable feelings. It can make you very angry. It can make you behave in a way that is not the best, like gossiping about someone or nitpicking at them to try to bring them down a peg. But envy is actually the way I understand it different than jealousy. Jealousy is fear that somebody is gonna take something that you already have, and envy is the fear that somebody has something that you want. And so it's a bit of a scarcity model because if they have it, then I can't have it. But the truth is, if you can see something in someone else that stirs up a lot of envy in you, it might be because you are projecting a gift onto them. And it might not be that, oh, they're an influencer on Instagram and you wanna be an influencer on Instagram. It might be that they're really confident when they speak about what they're passionate about. And you wanna be passionate about something and you wanna speak that way. Maybe in the past when you were really passionate about something or you behaved in a very confident way, maybe the people in your family or in the schoolyard or your church, maybe they thought you needed to be brought down a few pegs and you got picked at for doing that. And so you didn't feel safe expressing that part of yourself. So when you see someone else doing it, it pisses you off. You're like, how dare they? <laughs> and so in that way, it's kind of interesting. Your enemies, the people that you love to hate on, they're actually friends in disguise. They're showing you something about yourself. That's important. And this is not run of the mill envy. This is when you like love to hate watch someone or you're going out of your way to talk shit about them. When it's a really charged experience for you emotionally, that's a good clue that you might be hanging out around a shadow. And remember the shadow is subconscious. So that is why there are all these techniques and tricks for trying to access that information because it is not in your conscious awareness. You're not aware that you're doing it. And then the other one can actually feel good for a time and it's when you just really, really, really admire someone and you put them up on a pedestal. Oftentimes we put people on pedestals so we can knock them off later. <laughs> Not intentionally, it's all subconscious, but we put them up on a pedestal and we're so into them. We wanna binge everything they're creating. We wanna read all their books. We wanna watch all their videos. We wanna hang out with them all the time. We're putting them above us and admiring them because they are reflecting back at us something that we have within. What we admire in them is a quality that wants to be expressed in ourselves. And again, it's just gonna have a certain charge to it. It's not that everyone you admire is revealing to you some hidden gift, but if it has a strange extra special charge to it, that might be worth 
looking at, particularly if you have a pattern of this and you kind of fall in love with admiration over some new hot person and you binge all their content and you sign up for all their things and then you experience disillusionment until the next hot thing comes along and you put them up on a pedestal. If that's a pattern for you, it might be that the disillusionment is this gift that you have is unfulfilled this person is expressing it, they can never fulfill you ever. It's yours to fulfill. And again, it might not be that you wanna do exactly what they're doing. If this is a pattern for you, you can look at the different people that you've done this with and you can be like, what is the quality that keeps getting me so fired up about these people? What is the quality that they have in common that really ignites this fire in me? And then where is that quality hanging out in myself? How can I bring that quality out in myself? Your shadow has some very interesting secrets to share with you if you'll just be gentle with it and patient and stay curious. This is thing number five. And thing number five is your shadow is you. Your shadow is you. Your shadow is a significant part of you and as such it longs to be included in your lived experience therefore it will never ever ever stop trying to get your attention because your soul longs to be complete your soul longs for wholeness and your shadow is an innate part of you that is calling out toward you like hello here i am i'm the key to that wholeness and that sense of completion that you feel stirring inside of you and because you're not paying attention to me because you won't give me the time of day, I might have to make your life hell to get your attention. If you've been following this series, you know that I am specifically focusing on the repressed and rejected parts of yourself. The parts that were rejected when you were a toddler, a small child, maybe a very vulnerable teenager, or even a young adult. The things that other people made you feel were un acceptable and the things that would stand in the way of you getting your needs met and feeling safe and secure and just being able to survive in this world. Any quality that you were born with that is expressed in your formative years and met with abuse, neglect, shaming, mockery, that gets pushed down into the shadows so that you can feel safe and secure and survive in your family unit or in your church or your school or culture at large. And it's effective. We do it because it works. It works. It keeps us safe. It keeps us secure when we are young. But then when we get older, we find that we start having these inexplicable patterns of behavior and problems that we can't seem to solve with our conscious deliberate mind like as much as we strategize as much as we plan there is this part of us this really strong part of us that seems to come along and screw up our best laid plans it sabotages it's a self-sabotaging energy or it finds us 
in the same relationship patterns again and again and again, toxic relationship patterns, frustrating relationship patterns, not just in our romantic relationships, but in our friendships, in the workplace. And we can't figure it out. We think if I leave this person, I will be free of this dynamic only to find that dynamic pop up again at work or in our family unit, which is likely where it originated, which is why going home for the holidays can be so stressful because the dynamic that created this painful shadow for you, this self-rejection, it's on full display when you go back to see your family oftentimes. And so it, it can be very confrontational. And then the other way that the shadow can confront you is kind of when you least expect it. So I'm gonna use an example from my own life that is extremely common, and that is being a nice person. If your identity is one of being a nice person, you might have something like the bitch or the jerk or the asshole in your shadow. The worst thing somebody could call you is a bitch because you identify as a nice person. And when you identify as a nice person, what happens is people who find their sense of safety and security by taking more than they're entitled to, they find you, they find you and they take advantage of your niceness and they start to treat you like a doormat. And so you being the nice person, you make excuses for them and you put up with it and you put up with it and you put up with it. You might start to get uncomfortable. You might start to talk to your friends about it. Like, can you believe they're doing this to me? But ultimately you end up putting up with it for a very long time until one day after they lie and lie and lie or push and push and push or take and take and take, whatever the case may be, one day they lie or take or push one time too many. And what happens is the bitch pops out and makes a sudden terrifying burn it all down appearance everybody's freaked out including you including the person that you are offloading on because they thought you had some kind of social contract going you're the nice one they're the one that takes too much why all of a sudden are you changing it up and why are you yelling <laughs> you've just had enough so it comes out in an inappropriate over-the-top way and then this is the worst part that creates shame, more shame, shame on shame. So it's painful leading up to the outburst. And then it's really painful after the outburst when you are humiliated. You're worried who saw that happen. You're worried that it ruined your reputation. You're worried maybe even that you're out of control. What is wrong with you? So you try to push it back down, but it won't stay down. It will for a time, but the way that Debbie Ford, who is who I originally learned shadow work from, she described it as like holding down a beach ball underwater. And it's like, you can do that for a while. And at first it seems like it's no big deal, but it actually ends up costing you a lot of psychic energy. It takes a lot of energy to hold it down. And so under stressful circumstances or when you've just been holding it down for way too long, it's like all of a sudden the ball like bounces back up and smacks you in the head. And it tends to happen at the most inopportune times. So 
what you can do with that whatever the shadow quality is i'm just using the bitch as an example but this is true of any shadow quality you have to find a way to include it as a healthy regular part of your experience and that is integration that is shadow integration it's saying okay i have this bitch hiding out in my shadow. What does this bitchy part of me want? What is it good for? What can it do? And what you end up finding is that the bitch archetype is amazing for setting and maintaining healthy boundaries and standing up for yourself in the moment, in the moment, when the moment calls for it, instead of making excuses for other people or putting up with their nonsense. And you still get to be not a nice person, because nice is being very pleasing. It's making other people comfortable, often at your own expense, but a kind person. Kindness is deeper than nice. And you learn, I can be a kind person and I can be kind to myself. And I have this bitchy energy that I can call on and employ anytime I need to set a healthy boundary. And then you never have an outburst like that again. It's difficult when you first learn to incorporate a shadow complex like that into your life because it's new. You haven't done it before, it's brand new. And so it can be a little bit awkward at first. And so maybe you kind of are a little too bitchy at first when you're first trying to exercise this right. But I would encourage you to hang with it and to allow this energy to have a peace in your life. It is you, it is you, this shadow is you. It wants to be included and it will fall into place naturally if you allow it to be and if you give it expression. So if you're looking at a shadow, you've identified, I have this specific shadow, but I don't know how to give it healthy expression in my life. Something that I'm a big fan of is journal keeping or morning pages. I do both. I always have a composition book around so that I can in the moment express my shadow that wants to come through so I don't end up messing up my relationships or putting weird things on social media. I just put it in my notebook and I speak as my shadow. I give my shadow expression. You might not even know where it began, what it wants, what it actually is. So journaling can help you figure that out and get you to the point where you can understand how to incorporate it in a more healthy way. Other things you can do are paint, dance, sing, Anything creative can help you get in touch with that energy and give it a place to be, give it expression. Speaking as a formerly nice person, I was in a punk rock band and I wrote all the songs and they were very angry, screaming, kicking the air kind of songs. And I literally was kicking the air when we were performing and screaming like red faced and pointing. And the songs I wrote were about the government or people who had done me wrong. One song I wrote was from the point of view of a predator who had perpetrated a crime on me. I was just exploring this like angry, furious, 
dark energy that had been repressed in me. I was giving it expression and it was so cathartic for me. And I like to think it was cathartic for the people in the audience who are there enjoying the performance. It was an outlet and it allowed me to come into greater wholeness, even though I seem like this very friendly, blonde, nice person. I was up on stage being like, get the fuck out. I wrote a song called Get the Fuck Out and I meant it and it felt good to say it out loud. So I hope this made sense to you. Let me know if you have any questions or if you have a shadow you're thinking about, like, hmm, does this want expression? Feel free to ask me about it. I'll see if I can help you with that. And if you've enjoyed this series and you want to continue the conversation, I have a six-part audio journey called Shadow Love, Return to the Seat of Your Soul. And it is all about using shadow work as a method to achieving greater wholeness and a greater sense of self-love. So follow the links wherever they are around here so you can check that out. It's either gonna be in my link in the bio or in the description, depending on what platform you're watching this on. You're not watching this on any platform. You're listening to my podcast. So there will be a link in the show notes you can go to my website, joannadevoe.com. There will be links there. There's a link in bio on my social media. And, oh, big and. And you can get $25 off Shadow Love, Return to the Seat of the Soul, a six-part audio journey. You can get 25 bucks off when you put this code in at checkout. Self Love 24. Self Love 24. Don't be shy. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. And I'm so excited to be back on the podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay. Until we meet again, always remember life is change, change is magic, magic is life, and the journey is the creation. Much love to you. Peace.